Welcome to All Music Movies, a part of the All Music Podcast series and a companion podcast to All Music Books Deep Dive. Here, we explore music films and documentaries rather than books, and there are so many great ones, old and new. In fact, these days, there seems to be a new music film or documentary every week, so we're very excited to explore this area. I'm your host, Steve J. so grab your popcorn, sit back and relax, enjoy the show. Let's talk music documentaries and films. Today's guest is Bobby Joe Hart, the director of the documentary Fanny, The Right to Rock. It's a wonderful story about an incredibly unique band, and the film is getting a lot of love. Welcome, Bobby Joe. So nice to be here, Steve. Steven. Do you like Steve or Steven? Uh, Steve's good. As my mom called me Steven, but... <laughs> Steven. I like Steven. Steven's Let's good. Roll nice with to that. meet you, Steven. You too. And first off, congrats on the movie. It's an inspiring tale. And the film is making a lot of noise out there, and deservedly so. Yeah, it's been amazing. We planned to release it during COVID. And so, you know, we held off releasing the film till later. And, you know, now to be doing this, you know, revivify tour across California, like we literally all just arrived in California last night and doing a film screening tonight and the show and then we had to san diego then la then san francisco then sacramento and so it's uh it's a really exciting week definitely i'm glad it paid off so the film opens with a quote from david bowie and i think that sets the stage can you give our listeners that quote and what its significance is in your opinion sure i mean when i first discovered the band i was doing a lot of my own research and i i came across this quote of David Bowie that somebody posted somewhere, revivify Fanny and I will feel my work is done. And I was so curious about that quote that I needed to track down the original source. And the original source is Rolling Stone magazine, the December 99 millennial issue. And I bought it on, I found it on eBay and I literally bought that issue of Rolling Stone because I wanted to see for myself you know, was this really true? Did he really give that shout out to Fanny? Because that issue was literally the last Rolling Stone issue of the century. And each person that they interviewed in that issue, whether it was Martin Scorsese or music, film, et cetera, all kinds of really interesting, accomplished people in the industry, in the arts. And they would ask them for their time capsule. You know, basically, what what should we remember about the last century? And David Bowie's pull quote was Fanny. I mean, it was longer than that. It starts out like... uh, one of the most important bands in rock has been buried without a trace. Fanny, you know, played like mother effers, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then the last line, revivify Fanny, and I will feel my work is done. And so talk about a rallying call for the film and the project, and it's it couldn't be a better one. So the fact we're calling this tour with Fanny across California right now, revivify is because it's a little wink to that quote. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And you can't ask for, you know, a more appropriate uh, cultural icon than Bowie to to give them that shout out, which I thought was awesome. Um, Let me ask you, how and when did you get into Fanny and their music? Because they did do well. It was late 60s, early 70s, but they were definitely under the radar, due in part to, to both the time and the culture, perhaps. I grew up in Southern California. And, you know, I was a preteen in the 70s and my parents were hippies. They loved rock and roll. We had albums all over the house. You know, I just can see all the visuals of the beautiful album covers in my head, whether it was Cream or Rolling Stones or Fleetwood Mac, et cetera. And but I never saw any album, you know, I never even heard of them. And that was the time they were exploding on scenes. I discovered them 
about six years ago or so, my daughter, who's 18 now, who's really into music, she you know, started learning guitar when she was eight. So at 11 or 12, uh, her guitar teacher said, oh, we'll maybe get her a better guitar. Taylor guitars are good and they're reasonably priced. So I went on the Taylor guitar website looking for a guitar for my daughter. And then there was a web selection at the top of the page, you know, stories. And literally went down that rabbit hole looking at all these different people and their stories and not looking for a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a photo popped up of a woman playing, wielding a, a guitar with this flaming gray hair. And it was June Millington. Her story with Fanny and the, the, their background. And yeah, I was equally thrilled to see this, like, wow, discovered this new rock band. It's all women. Like, wow, they play their own instruments, write their own songs, like amazing. And then, you know, and they released five albums between 70 and 74. I mean, when they were touring all over the States or Europe, et cetera, they were also writing and recording. I mean, they were, it was, you know, Warner Reprise who signed them. I mean, they were really pushing hard, but they were new. They were really wanting to do something special with Fanny. You, you, you knew it, you know, mm -hmm. but I think they just didn't quite know how to market them, you know? So when I saw June on that, you know, website, I, I just thought that, that I need to make a film about this band. You know, I love underdog stories. I love untold stories, people in marginalized communities and, and trying to help be a conduit um, to give them a platform to express their voice and in rock and roll, you know, to express it loud and proud. So yeah, that's how it's the humble beginnings and reached out to June and Alice and it took a few years to kind of, you know, I was finishing another film and then eventually uh, started filming the day that Gene, June and Brie got back together with the new rock record deal with Blue Milan, yeah. you know, wow. Fanny Walk the Earth and Alice DeBure, drummer for Fanny and Patty Quattro also, you know, supporting the album with some drums and with vocals and, you know, a lot of other um, renowned women in, in music, whether it's Cherie Courier, Kathy Valentine, et cetera. As soon as I heard that they got this rock record deal, I thought, oh, okay, I can make this film, you know, following this forward momentum story and intercut it with all the killer archives that, that we were able to, to find. And uh, and here we are. Yeah. And they definitely had no shortage of fans. You mentioned Shree Karee and, uh, and some other folks. And there's Bowie, Bonnie Raitt, the band Little Feet. Uh, and it's just, it's just amazing. And it, I think it's so cool to dig up an untold story, you know. And, uh, and this is definitely that. Absolutely. I wanted to just start... To rewind to the beginning of the band's story, just for folks who may not know them, uh, I would guess that your film is going to introduce them to a lot of new people. But you mentioned June Millington and uh, her sister. They're two Filipinas, and they're self-taught musicians on, on ukulele, no less. But they both talked in the movie about the difficulties of junior high school, which, as we all know, that's a tough time anyway. But you add in, in racism, gender bias, uh, and their desire to play music, and it's a, just a very complicated story. But they play a variety show in junior high school, and they said they just felt like they were somebody, and that was their doorway out. That was a great moment in the film. I agree. I mean, it says so much. You know, all of us want to feel accepted. All of us want to feel like we belong, you know, in our peer groups, you know, in our families and our communities. And and they were f not feeling that vibe when they, you know, they have an American serviceman as a father from Vermont and a mother of Filipina. They meet and fall in love in the Philippines while he was stationed over there and they'll start a family there. And and then I think June and Jean were around 11, 12 when they moved to Sacramento, you know, and the whole family moved to the States. They're growing up in, in the Filipina culture. Yeah, they, they definitely 
expressed some hardships, whether it was just not being accepted at school or just boyfriends, like, you know, as you saw in the film, you know, starting to date someone and then the parents saying that they didn't want their son to date a woman of color, basically. And that's, that's just, just wrong, you know? <laughs> and, but these are you know young, impressionable women. Like it's hard and, you know, you're growing up and just trying to find your own identity in life. And so that moment in junior high, when they, you know, had the courage, obviously, to say, okay, we're going to enter this talent show. We're going to play these instruments in front of, in front of all your peers. It's not strangers. It's like people that you've been hanging out with. You know, they, they obviously looked fear in the face and said, you know, we're just going to go for it. And, and it obviously had, you know, a really, uh, it resonated with their classmates and that, you know, and that they were more accepting of them after, which is kind of sad on one level, like you, you have to, you know, why did it take that? But it also is 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 lovely in the sense that you know music really is a universal language that connects us. So that um, was really nice. That was a, yeah, I agree. That was a really nice moment. You're listening to All Music Podcasts, a member of Pantheon Media. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. We're speaking with Bobby Jo Hart. She is the director of a great new documentary called Fanny, The Right to Rock. One of the asides I also loved, which speaks to maybe some of the support net they had, you know, so they form a band and, and they get a bus and they refurbish the bus and their dad helps them refurbish the bus. And then they go out on the road. I just thought that was incredible. Yeah, it was. Because initially, I, you know, from what I understand, it was the more their mom that was supportive of their music interest than their dad. You know, she would kind of sneak out and buy them some music, it was an instrument or amp or whatever it was. She was kind of doing a little on the sly, from what I understand. But it looked, it sounds like their dad came around, you know, was like, okay, they're really into this. And uh, I'd love to see where that bus is today, <laughs> you know, the, the stories that bus could tell. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> They they formed this band, the Svelts, and I have to say, I'm always amazed with music documentaries. There's footage of them in this band, which is probably high school by this point, or young high school, and it's incredible 
how do you find this stuff? It's it's just amazing. I mean, maybe their family had it, but I, I, I'm always amazed at the amount of footage that exists out there in rock docs. Yeah, I mean, it requires a lot of digging and asking questions. And June collects so much footage. You know, she's always filming things. I mean, she must have more archives at the Institute for Musical Arts than anybody I know. Like she just, even when we were filming the documentary, because they recorded the album there at, at IMA, the organization where she and her partner Anne run wonderful rock camps for young women. So the, those shots of the Svelts in particular that you mentioned, that I was able to obtain through June. And she had obtained that footage at some point. If you look closely, Jean, when she's playing bass out in the snow there, you know, when they have this, just a shot outside of them, you know, she's wearing a Stanford sweater. And it was apparently the Stanford Ski Club that had hired them to perform. They were They had some kind of cool event and I don't know which ski hill it was but it's quite fascinating that June still had it and uh yeah it was really amazing to be able to include that footage from like literally the 60s yeah super cool of them playing I mean we didn't there was no sound but we just you know we were able to take some recordings and kind of you know play with it in a fun way which is you know you have a lot of liberties in music docs where you can and I had a great editor uh Catherine Legault who's a musician herself. So it was really nice to have someone I could rely on that really understood music and was, you know, really paid attention to how she edited the film. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It was a great moment. And, you know, the band, of course, there'd be some hardships, you know. It included Brie Darling, who was also a Filipina on drums, and Nikki Barkley, who, who's amazing on keyboards and vocals. And then they would lose Brie when she becomes pregnant and Alice joins. And besides being an all-woman band... Alice came out at 17 years old. And uh, another person you interview in a Bowie's connection, Gail Ann Dorsey, uh, his bass player for years. And she says, if you wanted to make it even more difficult than being just an all-girl band, that did it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was great to be able to interview Gail Ann because, you know, we we missed, you know, David Bowie sadly had passed before, you know, we could have an interview with him. Um, But Gail Ann was turned on to Fanny by Bowie when she was touring with him and said, hey, you got to listen to this band Fanny. And Gail Ann, she admits that she hadn't heard of Fanny herself and then, you know, became a huge fan. But um, just to qualify in terms of the, the band, June and Alice are lesbian and the other bandmates are straight, straight or... That's the sad part of the identity of the band is that you didn't know they were Philippine-American. You didn't know there were a couple, you know, lesbian bandmates in the band. You didn't... You didn't know the layers of their individuals you often get, you know, in the layers when some, uh, you know, rock journalist is, is talking to guys, an all guy band, you know, <laughs> and, and so it's, it was really fun to be able to, you know, unearth the parts of themselves that, yeah, that were kind of squelched or that were, were not paid attention to or celebrated um, at the time and be able to celebrate it now and and also reflect upon that journey that they went through, whether it was coming out or whether it was, I mean, Bree said to me at one point, you know, Bobby, I realized that through this process of the film and going to festivals and, you know, just meeting all these kinds of people at events, you know, she said, I realized I really hadn't taken a huge amount of pride in my Filipina culture. I am now. 
Well, another thing that comes across, and you mentioned how they took control of it, and, um, you know, it was made clear, uh, one of them mentions it, but the name Fanny, and then they had these stickers, I think, that said, Get Behind Fanny, and then their album cover, which was shot of them, you know, from behind, which like any male band would have done, and it wouldn't have been a big deal. And I think they very knowingly took to that. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, when you look at the clothes they wore on the first four albums, I think, they just had this great 70s sense of style, you know, hip huggers and, uh, you know, suede vests or jackets with fringes. And, you know, they, they just had their own sense of vibe and style. And, you know, and they were having fun, you know, on one hand, Fanny for them was kind of like a, a comforting aunt, you know, like Aunt Fanny, you know. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, there's the double entendre in the States, you know, my your Fanny, your little bum, you know. Um, And that billboard, you know, that had that, you know, um, promoting their first album, that photo that Linda Wolf took back in the 70s, you see the billboard on Sunset Boulevard, huge billboard, and then it's saying, you know, at the Whiskey in November, you know, to be able to be going back there next week to the Whiskey for a 50th anniversary concert, you know, leading up to this PBS broadcast later this month is is pretty amazing, you know, and they just, they, they really assumed... You know, I think in the beginning, you know, when the first albums were released, they really, I think they felt that they could be themselves, you know, uh, for the most part in their style. And and yeah, that was a little wink. You know, you see them on the billboard, you see their bums, their fannies, and you even see one hand that's on somebody's butt, you right, know? Right. So there was a wink there, you know, like it's, it's, it's definitely a wink. You, there, there are layers to that. You're listening to All Music Podcasts, a member of Pantheon Media. We're speaking with Bobby Joe Hart. She is the director of a great new documentary called Fanny, The Right to Rock. They went to um, the Troubadour at an open mic gig in 69, and, and a woman from Warner Brothers sees them, loves them. And so that's kind of the start for them. But like a lot of bands, the relentless touring and the recording, as you mentioned, you know, they toured all the time, plus five records in four years, which you never see today, took its toll you know, they lost members like Brie, who, by the way, in my opinion, had the, has the coolest hair ever. And Patty Quattro on guitar, who is the sister of the equally legendary woman rocker Susie Quattro. So they just kept moving. You know, record sales weren't going as well as they would have liked. Uh, they were so the record company was pressuring them to change their look to be more, you know, quote, quote, sexy. And and I think, you know, it, that's a lot of effort and energy, you know, and it's like, why haven't we broke through? You know, we're writing great songs, you know, we're, we're in the vortex of rock and roll, like what's going on. And it, I think it's like Alice says in the film, you know, we were, Fanny was 10 years too early. I talked to Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's recently, who's in the film and she was reflecting on Fanny and, and why, you know, they didn't get their due back in the day. And she said, well, you know, Look at when we came out, which was like the Go-Go's came out when I was in high school, you know, the, the MTV era, you know, there was so much promotion that was like by video and, and, and also record companies started to learn how to market or how to position in, in different ways. And Fanny was a bit of an experiment. It's a combination of factors. The bottom line is, is that their music is still there as Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, who fell in love with the band, you know, when he was 12 says, you know, like you can still become a fan, you know, a fan. Their their albums are still out there. You can go and find them in record stores and, you know, and they're still around now too, you know. They, they're, 
it's not too late to get behind Fanny. That's what we're trying to do with the film and this, you know, uh, process is revivify them and to memorialize them. You know, so I really feel that it's Fanny's turn, you know, in 2024. We'd love to to see them at least be nominated, you know, but why not just put them in, you know, like just like it took a long time to get Sister Rosetta Tharp in there. And she was, you know, laid the foundation for rock and roll and it has still hasn't fully gotten the credit that I think she deserves for how she inspired so many people, including Elvis. I mean, who knows what could happen now with Fanny? Like, you know, as Gene, the bassist says in the film, you know, maybe I'll be famous when I'm 80. (laughs) So, hey, you know, June just turned 75. So, hey, how about we make them famous when they're 75, you know, like let's, let's, let's move up the timeline a little. Absolutely. You mentioned at the beginning of our chat here, there's a new album out nearly 50 years later the band gets back together and records a new album. That in itself is quite amazing. And the title, Fanny Walked the Earth, is hugely ironic, as June points out. And she loved it. She just starts laughing and talking about it. And it was so great to see them unwrap that thing and and all of that. How was that being there? It was amazing. I mean, Fanny Walked the Earth was in a lot of ways, I mean, there was Fanny elements for sure of that reunion, you know, because Alice and Patty were also involved you know, in contributing. Fanny initially, I think, was more about like the Svelts, you know, these three Filipina American young women that got together in the 60s, you know, hey, you look like me. Hey, we we all love music. How cool is that? You know? And so I think initially when they first started recording the album, it was just the three of them in there. You know, the, the initial energy was like going to a high school reunion or something, you know, right. oh my gosh, you know, remember when we did this around Sacramento? And, but then, you know, and then it kind of, expanded along the way, you know, and to include more Fanny bandmates and to include other women too, you know, that have been instrumental in rock and roll and uh, and, and in music to sing most notably on the the song, you know, Women's Anthem, When We Need Her, and uh, which is an amazing song. And so you can see, you know, whether it's music video or you can buy, you know, Fanny Walked the Earth album you know, as Bree says in the film, you know, makes you think of dinosaurs. And we are, you know, like I love their self-effacing way. Yeah, we all get older, but we don't have to necessarily get old in the way we think, the way that we are curious about life, the way we want to grow. You know, I've met some 20-somethings that seem like they're pretty old because they're really <laughs> closed-minded. And the bandmates are, you know, just so curious and and fresh and wanting to to learn more and a lot of different performances along the way with different young up and coming artists, you know. I mean, Brie, you know, met last year, you know, the three sisters from the rock band The Warning from Mexico. I mean, Ruby Ibarra, who's like kicking it on the scene, a Philippine-American rapper from the Bay Area, will be one of the people opening for them at Yerba Buena Gardens in San Francisco next week. And, you know, it's really great to put these mentors out there too. I mean, Kathy Valentine and, and Sheree Curry too. Like, and it's like, if we didn't know there were these bands out here, like maybe we would have gotten in sooner. Maybe we would have, you know, um, more young women would be getting into music. So it's, it's never too late to, to be a mentor. Very well said. And and you uh, interview some of this younger generation and it's fascinating to hear them talk, you know, obviously way past Fanny's prime and hearing them, but it, it still has this impact. And, you know, it's super, super cool to see. And, and, you know, the footage of the band in the studio, they're having so much fun that it's just contagious and, and it's great. So, and, and we talk about the, the band's influence and, um, 
you know, one of the things, again, that you mentioned is June relocated east and established a very cool project in the Rock and Rolls Girls camp, which you have some charming footage of. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, June and her partner Anne started the Institute for the Musical Arts. They started it out in California. As Bonnie Ray says in the film, long before anybody else was starting Girls mm-hmm. Rock camps. Like, they're kind of even still a bit under the radar. It's just, you know, I encourage people to look them up. Yeah, they do really amazing girls rock camps. My daughter did a songwriting camp um, based at IMA, the Institute for the Musical Arts, with Sonia Kitchell, Grammy Award-winning Sonia Kitchell, um, who was actually the first student of June's and Anne's at the rock camp in Goshen, Massachusetts, you know, when she was like 12. And now she's, you know, playing it forward, so to speak. And, you know, I call her a, a songwriting whisperer. And, you know, she was developed you know, um, in the early years at the Institute, you know, it gives a safe place for young women to, to express themselves. I mean, there's instruments everywhere, incredible, like recording studio. And it's just such a rock and roll vibe. Hmm. And it's all run by women for women. And um, men are, of course, always welcome, you know, he for she. It's really nice to see because we need more than ever places like that and, and place safe places to go for young women to, you know, be able to be themselves and and find their voice and use their voice loud and proud. Well done. And, you know, your movie, I would reiterate, is is a very good place for everyone to check out. But certainly women, it's a, a historical story as well. And, um, you know, it's just a great movie. So I want to congratulate you on that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's a great film. It's, it definitely is an inspiring film for women and young girls. But for anyone, really, who's interested in music and music history, who likes rock and roll, who likes, you know, seeing inspiring characters, you know, we've seen a really wide and diverse audience, which is really cool. That's excellent. Um, Last question. Where can people see this? You said it's playing in some theaters and also stream it. I know PBS is coming up. So where can people see this? Yeah, I mean, Film Movement is the distributor in the States. And if you go to their website, you know, there's different streaming services there, you know, that they, you can buy it or stream it, but you know, this huge news, you know, this coming up this month is PBS is airing it nationwide, like on as common carriage, you know, so like so many stations that we got the list are, are playing at prime time. And, and the photos of the band and, and for, of the film are right on the cover of so many program guides for PBS this month. People have been posting them online. Hey, look what came in the mail today. And it's just so cool to see that kind of energy behind it. And also, I have to give a shout out. You know, this is made possible by PBS, but also in large part by um, the Center for Asian American Media, who came on board to uh, help underwrite the film. And they're producing this tour that we're doing across California right now. Wow. So. You can find it on PBS. You know, it'll be Monday, May 22nd, I think at 9 p.m. You know, check your local listings. Uh, And then it'll be streaming on that, you know, service after that. Just aired uh, last Friday on BBC4. So it's streaming also in the UK. So tell your UK friends or music lovers about it as well. And uh, yeah, and and, and on the Film Movement website, you can also get, um, you can buy an old-fashioned DVD with 50 minutes of extra footage, which is pretty amazing. I selected it myself. Very cool. Of, like outtakes and stuff. It's fun. Yeah. And hopefully since you're traveling with the band on this tour, maybe you're filming something. I don't know, but we'll see. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. She is Bobby Joe Hart. The film is Fanny, The Right to Rock. And uh, I would uh, tell everyone to go out and see it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Thank you, Bobby Joe, very much. Thank you, Stephen. Have a great day. 
All Music Movies is part of the All Music Podcast Series and a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.